As the NBA moves closer and closer to the February 9th trade deadline, there are rumors and reports about that the Charlotte Hornets could potentially be sellers at that deadline. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Again, you can catch us wherever you get your pods. That also includes YouTube. So if you're watching YouTube, you see Doug, you can catch his Substack. On every Hornets box score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm Walker Mail. You can catch me on the radio here in Charlotte, 92.7 FM, Wesson Walker from 12 to 3. Before we get started, I did want to address a YouTube comment, Doug. And someone, okay. so when you go to, if you want to go to the single camera, I'm already bossing you around. We're just getting okay, started yeah, sure. on the show. But can you right. go to the single camera focused on me? So somebody, you see, I'm going to try to get my finger lined up. All right. So you see this plate right here. That's somebody a, asked me. Is that an Aladdin antique plate or some Aladdin plate that you just put next to the TV amidst all the sports stuff? No, I just wanted to address it. That was actually the Alonzo morning plate that appeared in an episode of show and tell on this podcast two years ago. Oh, and I wow. just have it displayed next to a Muggsy Bogues bobblehead. So I just wanted to clear that. I don't have an Aladdin plate just chilling next to all this Hornets and sports stuff. Well, it's, a, it's an important conversation. And I'm glad we had it. Yeah, 100%. It's what we're leading off with, and I just wanted to address that, so thank you very much. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the Hornets at the trade deadline, because Sham Sharania of The Athletic put out a report that the Hornets could be sellers once the deadline hits, again, February 9th. It's not anything that we're surprised about. We know the direction that the Hornets are going in, and it's not been pretty. But Terry Rozier was the name that was really singled out on the Shams report. Also, Plumley, Ubre, McDaniel's receiving interest. But this is something we've we've talked about quite a bit here, Doug. And I'm not surprised to see Shams put this out there. No, I think you in fact, I think this show was probably a few weeks ahead of the curve on this. I think now you're right, seeing John, catch up. Right, well, a little bit. I mean, I think you're seeing Scott Fowler, you know, write columns about how it's time to shift to the youth movement. We'll talk about uh, some of those interesting Clifford quotes in the second segment. Uh, I think, you know, Rod Boone is coming to terms with the record. Steve Clifford is coming to terms with the record. You are seeing uh, uh, more young players playing more extended minutes uh, now. So, yeah, I, I think this is all culminating in this idea that th this record is not salvageable. This season is not sal salvageable any longer. Now we've come to terms with it. Now what's next? And what's next is good news that there are teams out there that are finding some of these players that the Hornets are willing to part with uh, interesting. And th there's also good news that really the Hornets are going to be one of the few teams that are going to be in sell mode because of the play-in, because of the parity that we're seeing across the league this season. There are a lot of teams that feel like they're one, two, three pieces away from getting into contention. So I think the Hornets are going to have a lot of suitors for Mason Plumley, for uh, Kelly Oubre, Maybe not Kelly because he's injured, but maybe Jalen McDaniels, you know, and, and it would be supreme if they could find somebody to take Terry Rozier. Well, and I, I've been on this for well, I've been on this for a while, too. 
It's the fact that you do have so much parity. It's going the exact opposite direction. The NBA feared it would go right. So the NBA feared that everybody that was not in playoff contention was going to sell and they were going to try to go after Wimby. And they sent out a memo at the beginning of the season that that's not even remotely happening. I mean, Adam Silver has to be honestly thrilled with the way this season has gone because of how talented the league is right now with how talented the Eastern conference is, which it's bananas. I mean, you're talking about Indiana being above 500 at the eighth spot and the Toronto Raptors, they're five and five in their last 10 games. So 500 basketball is better than their overall season. So they're right there with Chicago. And it's funny because you have Washington with a little bit of a shot to get in the play in Toronto. And then, I mean, Orlando has the most outside of shots, and then Detroit and Charlotte just doesn't at all. So you're talking about two teams, or and, and Orlando's not tanking on purpose. They're, I mean, they're they've got all their young players out there, and they're trying to win as many games as they can with that young nucleus. So it is not going the direction the NBA feared, and Adam Silver has to be thrilled. For sure. I mean, Houston and Detroit are the only two teams that are really blatantly tanking like they're making roster adjustments such that you go okay they are not very interested in winning basketball games charlotte is accidentally tanking (laughs) people have been making that joke on our youtube comments for the past several weeks which is like they don't need to really even make any moves to get worse like they're just (laughs) they just happen to be worse because the moves that they've been making are you know moving guys in and off the injury list i mean that's that's been the big contributor uh to to why they haven't really been able to get into any kind of groove that would allow them to win some of these games, but they're competing. And, you know, tonight Mm -hmm. the rubber really meets the road because they play Houston at Houston. That's going to be a really interesting game. Like, you know, because Charlotte's been competing with these good teams. So it'll be interesting to see if that competition equals a win against a team that is legitimately bad and, and one of the only teams that can compete with them and how bad they've been offensively. Yeah, I mean, there's four teams at the bottom tier right now, pretty clearly. And all of those teams have a point differential of at least negative six or worse. And it's Charlotte at negative 6.7, Detroit 7.4, San Antonio 8.7, Houston 7.9. Those are the worst four teams. And then everybody else, Orlando 3.8, everybody else within two. So it, it goes to show how competitive the league is. And I'm really hearing that it's only like San Antonio and Charlotte are going to be the only two teams that are interested in selling. Uh, which could be interesting because you know Jakob Pertl is somebody that that is could, could possibly be on the the trade block for San Antonio. Is that something that Charlotte gets engaged in and and they do a little do a little trade oh. swapsies between two bad teams? Who knows? Well, I mean, okay, but that that would be hilarious if we're talking about <laughs> two sellers and one selling to the other one. What what looks more dysfunctional, the selling team that's buying or well, the selling team that's selling? It would look dysfunctional if it was the only move, Walker. But I mean, I, I think <laughs> if you're a Hornets fan, you got to hope that Mitch is on the phone trying to make multiple moves. Now, all but as a longtime Hornets fan, I'll say I would just take one Mitch move. If Mitch does anything at the trade deadline, Correct. I'll take it. But you really, really hope that they look at this not as an opportunity to get off one deal or to make, you know, to acquire one piece or one trade or one draft asset, but they view this as like, hey, this whole thing that we tried is fundamentally broken and we need to reorganize everything, reset and build again around LaMelo Ball. And and, and so hopefully that means multiple moves, you know, Mason Plumley, Jalen McDaniels, hopefully Terry Rozier. And, and he's been well, part of these rumors as well. Well, and so before we move on to the next segment, maybe talk a little more about Jalen McDaniels, who has a couple of trade rumors out there and has for the last week or so. 
Doug, I'll just ask you this to end it. How tradable is Terry Rogier right now? I think very tradable, honestly, because, you know, I know we have been paying attention closely to Terry's stats and, and he has not played up to the level that he has in the past couple of seasons. But we also understand the context of that, which is that he's been placed into this role not only as a primary ball handler when LaMelo was injured, but because they had injuries to Cody Martin and DSJ, he was also responsible for taking you know the, the, the guarding position against some of the better guards that they faced early in the season. And so that was a lot of responsibility. It obviously affected his shooting because you can see in the, over the past five or six games, his points per shot attempt has shot way up since LaMelo has gotten back and gotten into the groove and taken some of that responsibility off of him. There are multiple teams that are going to want more shooting. And, and there's one team out there in Los Angeles that just needs some shooting. And Toronto needs some shooting if they want to get back into this game so or get back into this playoff race. So Terry has a very marketable skill, which is not only good shooter, but also like good shooter late. I mean, certified gamer. That's that's valuable. I think a team's going to bite on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's just the contract. But, I mean, we'll see. You know, that it's, it's a big one. I Under, understand understanding that here. understanding that when we get to the deadline and there's going to be a team that says, man, we can and again. I think LA is the team because they're going to look at it and go, right. fine, we're, we're going to, we, we, LeBron James, we're not going to have him forever. We've got to, you know, desperation makes people do silly things like take on a big contract. And, and I think a team's going to do it. No. And, and the Lakers make sense that the problem I'm so, I guess if you're the Hornets, are you just willing to take one of those two first rounders? They can't get rid of both of their late first rounder. I mean, that would, that would be all time. <laughs> desperate. You Gary. are, I you mean, are that, underestimating the purple and gold, my friend. They will do yeah, anything really to touch that Larry right. O'Brien one more time. I, I, <laughs> with Gosh. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I am underestimating their ability. Um, okay. Coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Discuss Terry Rozier as a potential uh, target for some of these teams that will be suitors at the trade deadline. What about Jalen McDaniels, where there's an actual player, an actual player named that could be coming back in return for the Hornets? Would that trade make sense? We'll talk about it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. And if your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, you need Rocket Money. It's formerly known as Truebill, and it's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought just to watch one show on, or that your free trial that you tried to use but never even really did. Rocket Money is going to take care of all of that. They'll quickly and easily identify all those subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the, th for the ones that you do not want. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Jalen McDaniels coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. We got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continuous success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which That's I would love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
Doug, it's that time again. We're going fishing right before the trade deadline. Jake Fisher. Oh, yeah. You got oh, one. I got That's a big one. There you go. Bring that one in. We'll fry it up and eat tonight, baby. Jalen McDaniels has been a part of a report by Jake Fisher that said, quote this, Toronto Raptors have had shown interest in Hornets forward Jalen McDaniels, and they could look to move Gary Trent Jr. for a trade with Jalen McDaniels. So a former Duke Blue Devil. It's actually his birthday today. So a couple oh, things that Gary's been doing for yeah. yeah, big happy birthday shout to Gary Trent. He's turning 24 today. He also just got in a little scuffle, so to speak. I don't know what you would maybe a, maybe a schism, uh, a scuffle, not not a not a not a brawl or a fight, but he get it, got into something last night with Brooke Lopez after Brooke Lopez took off the headband and they got tied up towards the baseline. Oh, headband yeah, so brouhaha is probably a great one. So Gary Trent, happy birthday, and uh, hope you're okay from the brouhaha. What do you think about this reported thing from Jake Fisher that, you know, Raptors could be interested in Jalen McDaniels? And I think we've heard a couple of times that Toronto might be looking to move off of Gary Trent. <laughs> I wonder, like, how much of this is... Hey, who really likes long forwards? <laughs> you know, skinny long forwards. Hmm, right. Who has a lot of those? Who really likes those? Oh, Toronto. Oh, that they roster's love- hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah, how much of it is like that? That fits their whole idea of what they're trying to build around, and how much of it is actual, like, real interest? I, I'm not sure. You know, G- Gary Trent Jr. is an interesting name, although that it's. That that seems like I mean he seems like a Terry Rozier type of player. So you know it's it's somebody that's going to shoot the ball really well, give you a lot offensively, uh, not give you much defensively. Uh, does get a lot of steals and deflections, but in terms of a lockdown defender, is not somebody that you that I would really want to pair next to Lamelo Ball. Like the ideal guard is somebody that doesn't need the ball a ton next to Lamelo and can take some more of the defensive responsibilities. So I, I don't. I don't know about Gary Trent Jr., but look, I think Jalen's going to get interest from multiple teams. Sure. Well, yeah, and and bringing in Gary Trent, you have to understand that he's making – he's going to – I would imagine he opts into his player option. That's going to have him make $17, $18 million next season. So after one year trading for him, then you would have to try to work out some contract extension if you wanted to keep him, but then he'll come off of the books. But in reality, I mean, Jalen is coming off of the books this year you'd probably want to extend Jalen because he's not going to make $17 million next season. So you're going to be trading for a player to me that is less efficient. Gary's a better scorer, but the shooting percentages are about the same, even though Gary has much higher volume at seven, three point attempts per game. But to me, I'd rather have Jalen shocker, but I think with the money, with the skill set, with the efficiency, not needing the ball. Yeah. I mean, give me Jalen. So, but I think it brings up a good point, which is that I, there are going to be competing objectives at this trade deadline and in the next offseason, which is the competing objectives are move off of old money, but I but I think also don't be afraid to take on new money if it means you get draft capital in return, like take on bad money. So so I think those two things can sort of happen at the same time where you're you're getting off because you know you're going to have Gordon Hayward's expiring contract coming up as a possible tool to use uh next season next off season. So you know I, I think there's going to be multiple things happening at the same time and and they because look the Hornets can't 
just focus on clearing their books completely, that wouldn't make any sense because they can't go out into free agency and wheel and deal like a lot of other teams can, yeah. despite Brian Windhorst saying that Charlotte is a city on the uh, on the come up. I mean, I agree with that. I love the city of Charlotte, but I don't think I still don't think NBA players are like pining to to come to Charlotte. Right. So you know they they can't just focus on completely clearing the books. There has to be some idea of like, okay, we can take a bad contract on if it means we get a first round pick, a, you know, lottery protected first or whatever. That's the kind of deals they need to do. Yeah, 100%. So and you would think more so the veterans. Now, I, maybe we talk about this later, but I, I think it's interesting in, in the initial report we talked about from Shams that it's Terry Rozier. We've heard from McDaniels, you know, a couple times or heard about McDaniels a couple times. Plumley, Ubre also in that report, but no PJ Washington. I think the fact that he's going to be due a, a pretty decent check and PJ is going to be on a rental if you trade for him. I think that's probably why he's not initially at the front of everybody's interest level. And Gordon Hayward, we we know why there. I mean, he, this uh, this year you you have one more year of thirty million dollars, and then you know then it's expiring. That that's the value for Gordon right now. So so we'll see exactly how all of that unfolds as the season goes on. But Doug, if if it goes this way and they sell Terry Rozier and they they trade him for whatever, right? Maybe maybe a pick with the Lakers, maybe some other young players. You know, Steve Clifford was pretty receptive to this shift to youth in in um, post game questioning from media after this last contest against the Boston Celtics. So, you know, Steve Clifford talked about that, and it was really Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer asking that question about that shift to youth. I'm trying to pull up the quotes right now. So I got him. I got said, him. If you if you want me to go, go ahead. through them. No, sure. Yeah, if you got him, go ahead. So here's what Steve had to say after that game. He said, "Quote: What the fans obviously don't see." is that they, meaning the young players, have a chance every day. Like Tuesday at practice, they do play every day. They do play live. I do watch closely, and and we do filming. I think there's sometimes this misconception that when guys are not playing minutes, they don't get a chance to be seen. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Truth. I've read articles where general managers will say, you can't develop players without minutes played. I would totally disagree with that. I would say that player development is about minutes earned. So one thing that I do love about here is that Mitch uh, is is old school and nobody is more old school than Michael. You know, we don't have a guy, one guy on our roster that can complain right now about playing time. Not one, if you're truthful. They've all had a chance, okay? Some of them did a lot better than others, and those are the guys that are still getting a chance, unquote. I, I mean – it it was it's interesting to watch Steve too because he's always going to tell you how he feels. It's what I loved about Steve being named the coach, right? Like it was it felt a little haphazard in the off season, <laughs> but Steve Clifford coming back from a media standpoint, I knew he was going to be fun to listen to after the games. I think he's right though, Doug. I mean, we okay. talked about it with James Booknight at the beginning of the season, man. I mean, mm -hmm. even even if they were fully healthy. I think Steve Clifford was going to give James Booknight a chance all all the time because of what he was talking about with such a talented first round pick. You know, Kai Jones, maybe if you really wanted to, you could have more of a problem with him not playing and working out some of those kinks. But I mean, you weren't tanking at that time. You needed to try to win as much as you could because it wasn't full on. Hey, we just need to bottom out mode. What do you make of these comments? I, th I think it it totally aligns with what we knew about Steve Clifford during his first stint here, which is that he is big into guys earning the playing time. And so that means that they may not play as soon as a lot of people like would like to see them play. 
but that if they earn the playing time, they will eventually play. And this really all comes down to how much you as a fan trust Steve Clifford as a talent evaluator. And I would just say that a lot of teams and a lot of smart basketball people over the years have trusted Steve Clifford and put them on the bench. I mean, he was with uh, he was with Brooklyn uh, just a year ago uh, as somebody that was you know part of, part of their organization, part of evaluating talent there. So you know, and obviously Orlando trusted him. The, he's part of the Van Gundy tree. Like you know, a lot of smart basketball people have have enlisted him to evaluate talent. And you know, I, I can't think of too many guys that have come through Steve Clifford's system here in Charlotte and gone on to that he didn't play that have gone on to like big, you know, burst after. I mean, the one, you know, one guy you could point to is Malik Monk, who's who's played really well in Sacramento, but he had to go through multiple stops. And sometimes that's what it takes for players. They've got to go through these multiple issues and almost get out of the league for them to sort of realize, hey, I I was just looking at comments from Bull Bull, who plays in Orlando right now. And and he said, I had to learn that I had to work hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, like it. you've got to, you know, it doesn't stop when you get into the league. Like you've got to continue to work on skills. It's something that Clifford keeps pointing out, you know, with Kevin Durant, that even though Kevin Durant has ascended to all this success, one thing that he saw from him in Brooklyn was that he's right. not he's not satisfied. He comes in, what are we working on today? What am I, what am I going to do to get better? You know, that kind of thing. So, and I think you're right, Walker. He did give Book Knight a chance. Now, yes, that chance came because of injury, but he got the chance and he didn't play well. And I and I haven't seen much in the way. And Book Knight has a big fan base. And they're an active fan base. And they like to comment. And I did not see a lot of comments saying, oh, well, Book Knight didn't get a fair chance. Or Book Knight actually played no, well. You don't know what you you're talking about. Everyone could see that, that it wasn't working. Oh, yeah. Well, no. And, and we go to James Book Knight more so because he's the first round pick that you drafted in the lottery that isn't getting a chance right now. And so maybe you want to say JT Thor is not getting all that much of a shot, but he, he kind of is not, not a ton of minutes, but he is out there every once in a while, you know, James Booknight played 25 games and that goes, I, I would have gone with the under on that, you know, and, and I know not all yeah. of that is just James Booknight coming in and playing 15, 20 minutes, right? But 25 games at this point, given how poorly he shot, I mean, man, four and a half points in that 25 games. He shot 42% from two-point range. He shot 25% from three-point range on two and a half attempts per contest. He shot under 70% from the free throw line. Just, it wasn't good. I don't want to pick on the guy, but I, I do think Steve Clifford, gave James Booknight a, a real shot. And and here's one thing I'll say. If there's sellers and there's more opportunity for Booknight, it's absolutely time to play him. You know, wh- if you're going to lose, you need to bring him back. And if he does that, Doug, then overall for Steve Clifford, I think he'll have managed what to do with the players on the court about as well as you could, right? Because if 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 you have the goal to win at the beginning of the season, and you give Book Knight a little taste, and it doesn't really work out. You give Kai Jones a taste, it doesn't work out. Now you have Lamelo coming back. Of course, you're going to play him. And he's playing 35 minutes a game. Lamelo is, so he's getting you know right. There's no per 36 minute stats to go to. Just look at what he's doing in the normal game, right? Like you can see, it, it may, maybe the center rotation for sure. I, I had my problem with Mark, and I'm still going to have my problem with Mark Williams getting DNP CDs in place of Nick Richards. I'll, I'll be frustrated with that, but. For the most part, I'll think for the guy that needed to come in and and who wanted to win, and that was the team objective, and it it's clear that at the trade deadline, at the halfway point, that's not going to happen. 
if they start to play Kai Jones more, JT Thor more, James Booknight more, then honestly, I think he'll have handled the minutes divvy up situation pretty damn well with the direction that this franchise took this season. Well, he knew he had to play Booknight early in the season because of the injuries, and right. you saw Clifford former relationship with Booknight restore that trust that was lost with the previous regime in Borrego. But I think Borrego looks a lot smarter today than he did at the beginning of the season. You know, after we've seen what we've gotten from Booknight and Kai Jones, because a lot of heat, even including the general manager who fired him, gave him a little bit of a heat on the way out for not playing those guys. And it's like, okay, well, that's two coaches now that have decided that these two guys aren't good enough to maintain positions in a rotation, in a beat-up rotation. I mean, it's not its not that they're not getting playing time in a fully healthy rotation. It's that even even injuries, you've seen a Bryce McGowan's, who is, uh, you know, they, they called Book Knight up when Cody Martin uh, got right. uh, the knee soreness injury and was out, but yeah, he went to Bryce McGowan's. And, and that's where you go to the quote and you go, some of them did a lot better than others. Like, yeah, th- that, that to me is the most interesting part of the quote, right? It's not that oh, yeah. th- this is a sort of a marginal yeah. thing and it's a coin toss and I got to go, ah, Book Knight or Bryce McGowan's, who do I go? Because that's what's happening, by the way, with Nick Richards and Mark Williams, I think. That's a coin toss. It's like, well, one guy gives me this, the other guy gives me that. You know, who do I go to here? That's a marginal call. It, it seems like from these quotes that the book night and the Kai Jones situation are not marginal calls. They're, they are, they're well outside the rotation and only multiple, multiple injuries or a big fire cell would result in them getting more playing time. Um, but you know, look, I, I, I just think it's a situation where uh, Steve Clifford really values what he sees in practice. And I think that's tough for fans, rightly so, because look, I think what, what Steve Clifford, this is one point of contention I would have with these quotes is that I think Steve Clifford and some of these coaches, they get real insidery about this stuff, and they're like, we know, we have the special information, and we know. But this is a public-facing thing. Like you, at, at some point, you do have to play these guys, and you do have to say, either show us the practice film, right, which you're not going to do because you don't want to reveal that, or you have to play mm. these guys, and, show, and sometimes you have to sort of sacrifice these guys and say, all right, we're going to play them, and i got to show you that this guy it, it doesn't have what it takes. Well, yeah, and I want to continue that conversation. And you bring up Bryce McGowan's, who played the other night against the Boston Celtics early when it mattered. So coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll discuss a little bit more of this shift to youth, the possible shift to youth, plus Steve Clifford's comments and uh, Cody Martin, his status for this upcoming game against the Houston Rockets. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, and you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. If you love sports podcasts, hopefully you do. You can even find those on Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. More Hornets content coming up next. Is locked on Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough. Until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly, you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. The last thing, Doug, I wanted to mention about Steve Clifford's comment, something that wasn't included there was, I mean, because that was, that was a long answer. He even joked about it. When Scott Fowler asked about, is there a time... And I I think the way Scott Fowler worded the question was important, too. He said, is there a time at this season 
where you don't necessarily emphasize winning games and I'm paraphrasing, but where you don't necessarily care about the wins and losses as much, as much as you care about the improvement and the developing of young players. And Steve Clifford, you know, said yes. And then he went into this real long response about JJ Redick and how he improved in practice. And then when they called upon him in the postseason, JJ showed up, he talked about some of these guys, how they've had their agents, their agents told Steve Clifford, thank you. Because of some of the players that didn't get playing time, it actually made them work harder and it allowed them to know how it is to become a pro in this league. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real long answer. But Steve Clifford, clearly, we know where he stands on this. Well, this this is a burr in his saddle. I think that's the right expression. Oh, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a burr in a saddle. I think that's right. Um, and, you know, I think he's taken offense to this line of questioning before that he doesn't play young players. He obviously thinks mm-hmm. that that's not, it's not the right question to ask. Um, and so, you know, he, yeah, he, he, I think he did a good job explaining, but I don't know that it's going to change a lot of minds. I mean, I think fans are pretty much in one camp or the other, either they like, Steve Clifford's philosophy because oh, yeah. it is old school. I think a lot of fans are going to hear that quote though about saying like Mitch is old school and Michael's old school and go, you know, hey, maybe a little new school, right? I mean, we tried mm-hmm. old school for a while. How's that working out for us? It's not working out real well. So maybe, you know, this is part, I think there would be a lot of eyes rolled at that particular part of the statement, especially when you consider like they were thinking about D'Antoni or they were thinking about uh, Atkinson and then they had to roll back. I mean, there's nothing more old school than rolling back to the coach that used to coach your team. So I think, you know, I think people are going to not respond great to that part of the quote. Well, and and when Steve Clifford talks about practice and he says, look, I see them every day. I see them in five on five. And I'm I'm telling you with the playing time, who's earned that playing time? I actually, you know, I I don't think that all of these guys need the time out there on the court. But I, I will say that. You know, Marty Herney used to say this all the time when judging quarterbacks that you can only really evaluate them when the lights are on. And so I wonder if that also rings true to players when you're in a stadium with more pressure because it's a game that matters with all the people in the stands in that big arena rather than the practice court that's, you know, right to the side where they lower the blinds so you can't watch practice, right? I mean, I wonder if when the lights are on, does that ring true for NFL quarterbacks like it does for NBA players? Yeah, so to me, I take that that philosophy to mean like if a player plays really well in practice, you know, you got to see him under the lights to really make a a judgment. Whereas I see Clifford here sort of insinuating that behind the scenes, they're not playing well and and Steve Clifford doesn't believe – that like putting them under the bright lights is going to magically make them better. Correct. And even if it did, I think he fundamentally believes that you should be able to do it every single day and not just wait until, you know, your, your number is called. You know, I think he loves players that, that show up every day, even if they know they're not going to be able to play. And, you know, I'm not going to extrapolate that that means he feels that way about Book Knight or Kai Jones, but I, I don't think one would be like totally unfair uh, to, to make that leap at this point because we're not seeing those guys. Right. No, and, and I would agree with that. So Bryce McGowan's, maybe he is playing really well in practice, well enough to get some minutes. He had 13 minutes in this last game against Boston. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't score, you know, really didn't put up anything, any, any much of a box score here. Oh, of one on the only field goal attempt that he took. 
it's the last significant run that he got since Philadelphia on December 11th. So we're talking about a month in between significant runs where you put Philadelphia 23 minutes, New York on December 9th, 30 minutes, at Brooklyn 20 minutes, right? So so we saw that stretch before he got his chance. Now gets a little taste of action against Boston. What did you make of McGowan's appearance? I really loved this appearance from McGowan's because you, you mentioned the length of time and yet here he gets his number called. He's ready. I thought his play was fundamentally sound. You, even when you look back to that stretch where he was getting more playing time in, in Charlotte, they weren't passing him the ball a ton. Because, I look, I think the team understands that Bryce knows how to score and that he's going to have no problem translating that to, like, w- once he does become a regular part of the rotation. I don't think he's going to have any problem taking, you know, seven to ten shots and knocking down a few of them, okay? I, I don't think there's a question about that, especially after what we saw in Summer League. The question is, can he do the other things? And I think this game illustrated that he can. I mean, I saw several I, – I noted them down in my Every Hornets box score rundown – like there were several moments where he made the right defensive play. He was in the right position. And I think that's what the team is working is looking for. I think that's what he's been working on and, and it showed in this game. And so I was, this to me was a game that showed that Bryce McGowan's can be trusted. And that's step one, the trust is step one. And then step two is, okay, now you're in the rotation now you get more responsibility. And so hopefully we see that if they do shift to a youth movement, get him a few more shots. Well, and that's because of the starters not trusting him, right, off of the bench. I know we talked about that. Starters don't trust anybody. It's not about Bryce, right? right? I mean, this bench. And and that's what's crazy about Book Knight not getting any playing time. Because what's the the one thing the bench can't do right now? Score. What's the one thing that Book Knight is supposed to be able to do? Score. And, And Book Knight can't get on the floor. Well, and Cody Martin is out right now, or he was in this last game, and and he's doubtful for this game against Houston. Steve Clifford talked about that afterwards against Boston, and he said that Cody's sore. And sometimes that happens when guys get back from injuries, and he was sore coming back. And so he was actually a little sore in the the previous game against Boston, the first go-around, played, and then they decided to just be real careful with him. That's what Steve Clifford said. So we'll see if he suits up tonight. Look, this has been brutal. I got to say, this has been brutal, right? I mean, this is – Cody Martin is is the only – that's the only move you made in the offseason. Yeah, you were supposed to make this other big move for Miles Bridges. Uh, Well-documented why that didn't happen. Uh, May still happen yet. But – this is the only move that you official move that you made in the off season. And uh, it looked like, I don't know why the, the injuries piled up on him early in the season. If it was a conditioning thing, I don't know what was going on, but you know, essentially wasn't ready to go and then uh, misses a ton of time. And then now getting back because, you know, you are ramping back up into that NBA speed. Now here we go. Another, you know, knee soreness issue that's keeping you out multiple games. Hopefully, there is a resetting in the offseason and then coming into next season, he is just like – because this to me, it, it, w- w- the the contract was what, four years? Really is three years because this was a wasted year. Oh, yeah. Now, I mean, it, it clearly is. And, and maybe we can create – but before we end the show today, may, maybe we do this later on in the week and just form another version of Stangin' or Clangin' because that is the title <laughs> for all of our games these days. But Bryce McGowan's got me thinking about this. The, the Not debate, but the, 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 the hot-button issue for you calling Jalen McDan- uh, McDaniels untradeable, right? That, that you couldn't trade him. And of course, it's clearly only LaMelo. But, but here's, here's my question. How, 
how protecting or how protective are you over Bryce? Because clearly he's not untradeable. Nobody is outside of LaMelo. But I think it's okay to say, yeah, I'd, I'd really rather not include Bryce McGowan's in any trade. So just is there any way to articulate that right now without knowing what a potential trade could be? I, I just is that just how you leave it? I'd rather not. But if, if it's going to be the sweetener on making this deal, I think is important. We'll, we'll go ahead and do it. Just how protective are you going to be over Bryce? What's well, the same kind of idea that I mentioned with Jalen? It's not that Jalen or Bryce are untradeable. It's that the value needs to exceed what you would normally think that player would get, right? You just need to be more picky. And so for Bryce, yeah. Like if you're talking, you know, Bryce, because you got to view Bryce, who was selected early second round, and those guys typically get, you know, late first round type of contracts. And I think they view him, they moved up to get him. So they, Mm -hmm. I think they view him as a first round prospect that slid into the uh, into the early second round and that they went and gobbled up. So if if he's going to be moved, then you need, you know, to get in return some a serious veteran talent. You, you, and again, it's part of a package. It's, I'm not talking about straight up one for one trade, Bryce McGowan's four player X. I'm talking about a package that would yeah. include a serious veteran that, you know, could make a big impact for them next season or you know, a great draft package that includes first rounders. That's all. Like Bryce can't go for another second rounder. That wouldn't make any or multiple second rounders. That wouldn't make any sense. Well, and and also I think Bryce McGowan's is the only pick that I can remember that was a guy before the draft or leading up to the draft that that draft Twitter loved. Right. Like, you know how the Grizzlies are just are just compiled with with uh, NBA draft Twitter darlings, Jaron Jackson, then Desmond Bain, then Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark. I mean, the, the whole the Grizzlies are run by Twitter. The Hornets have the one pick and that's McGowan's. And so I'd I'd, I'd rather not, you know, like that's that's yeah. just the best way I can put it on McGowan's. I'd well, rather not trade. I would rather not as well. If you're going to trade a player that has some serious future prospects for this team, it better address one of the one of the I would say two or three fundamental issues that this team has. It has to address that and it has to address it definitively. We're talking about defense up top, we're talking about defense down low, we're talking about, you know, still deficiencies that they have. Mark Williams is going to be on the come up, but it's going to take multiple years for that to pan out. So if you're looking to contend more immediately, then you've got you still have to address the center position. It has to address one of these big issues that they have um or I'm not going to like it. And they're just going to have to deal with that. They're going to have to they're going to have to deal with me not liking it. I'm going to come on this show. I'm going to come on this show and I'm going to say that deal was clanging. Well, I mean, what's what's fantastic about this all of it, Doug, is that you have both of your hands on your hips right now. Like you you had Well, you, had you know, standing standing is getting exhausting a little bit. It's so oh, man. Yeah, you you had one hand on your hip. You were pointing at the camera like this and looking straight into it. You were scalding the Charlotte Hornets. That's what you were doing. You were you were chastising them for future things that have not happened yet. But now they're the shaking show. in their boots. They don't want to piss off Doug Branson, and I don't want to either. To be honest with you, I'm too dangerous. Like I'm too dangerous you for are. radio. I have to cut. That's my role on the show. You are the responsible radio mm-hmm. journalist. I have to come on here and be the firebrand. And hold yeah. the, hold this team's feet to the fire because who else is going to do it? Honestly, who else is going to who else is going to come on here and hold their feet to the fire? Somebody's got to do it because I'm just I'm tired of mediocrity. I'm tired of irrelevancy. I want to see mm-hmm. these carpenter bees, you know, get some stingers and get some stangers. 
and finally go out there and compete for the playoffs. I'm, I'm tired of it. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 